spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I have a dream that at moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I have dreamed waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins where it all came from since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy Ann's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Label Hi, it's Andy Ann from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly. And occasionally, nowadays, it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N, Spoken Label. Back in the house on a Sunday evening. Yes, a late one today as well. I've got a wonderful lady overseas today, Michelle Steiner. Now, Michelle's not, I would term as a straight writer and as a novelist and poetry, but she's not. But she's got a fascinating story I want to talk to her about today. And she will be reading out spectacular work in the second half. So, Michelle, obviously, first of all, then, for people who don't know you, would you like to tell everybody, obviously, who you are, where you come from, and where your story started off at? We'll do it that way. Sure, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Annie, for having me on here. Uh, my name is Michelle Steiner. I live in the United States uh, with my husband and our two cats, Jack and Sparrow. Meow. And <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I'm a disability writer advocate and photographer and I have my own blog and um I just try I work as a paraeducator in a school with students to that just need a little bit of extra help and my stories uh all of this started years ago when I was first diagnosed with having a learning disability when I was in kindergarten yeah that's just really really interesting because that's why I could really relate to it because people obviously know mm -hmm. I've got a number of health conditions myself 
most of mine weren't picked up until I got to adulthood. And I'm not going to tell people your age because I've been a gentleman and a lady <laughs> never reveals her age. But you obviously should say you're not you're, you're not 21, right? But, <laughs> but it's interesting to realize that you told me before off my is like all these are picked up as a child, but but not everybody in your school was picked up unworthy with the conditions you've got, but any sort of conditions really. Sure. I have a learning disability. Mm. And my learning disability is in math, uh, dyscalculia or dyscalculia, mm. depending on how you pronounce it. I also have um, visual perception um, mm. issues, but those are not in my eyes. That is in my brain. And I also have limited hand dexterity. And the interesting thing about a lot of these things, uh, we didn't find out about the limited hand dexterity till I was an adult. And then sort mm. of things just started to really uh, click. Like, oh, this is why I'll drop things out of my hands. This is why my handwriting is, you know, is not very good. And uh, they didn't even really diagnose. Uh, well, with learning disabilities, it was more of an umbrella term when I went to school. Mm. They they knew I wasn't going to be a mathematician, but they didn't <laughs> call it dyscalculia. <laughs> and we knew that I was having issues with my eye-hand coordination, but uh, we just weren't sure of what the extent of that was going to be as an adult. But as a young child, I was starting to have a lot of symptoms with uh, not being able to tie my shoes. Uh, mm. Doing dot to dot pages was particularly uh, difficult for me. And, and anything math related, uh, counting, uh, just knowing how numbers worked, that was really hard. And I was really lucky that they did pick up on that because uh, a few years prior, they were having legislation for people with disabilities to get services in school. But there were still kids that went through the um, went under the radar, or if they did get services, we just lumped everybody together in learning support, and uh, just it wasn't really tailored to people that had other conditions. Yeah, I think it's a different generation, really, isn't it? Because, like mm -hmm. you said, like it's certain like in English teaching in England nowadays, they're much more aware in, situ in situations like that. And from what I guess out of your generation, like I said, it's we're the same generation, basically. And I'm still not going to say your age, because it's not like I'm not, I'm not too, <laughs> too much a gentleman. But yeah, you're right. It's, when I was at school, they didn't they pick up on things like that. And I know yeah. from chatting to my mum, like there's nothing wrong to say, because my mum's got a lot, two-thirds of the health problems I've got. Right. And, and she was there as a child in the 50s and 60s. And your mum and dad have been the same time themselves. They just, mm -hmm. they just didn't know about stuff like that then. But, yeah, really, really interesting. Like, it's well, – I asked you before of Mike, and you said before, like, it was like – because my case, I know it's my family's side, it's hereditary. Is this hereditary on your family? Is it, or are you not, are you not really um, sure on this? We're not 100% sure. I haven't had uh, family members with the official diagnosis of learning disability. Mm. I've had a couple people – couple family members have said, man, I think I have a learning disability. I can't get math. Or I really struggle with that. Some of the older ones, when they didn't do a lot of the knowledge mm. or the testing. But um, I have two nieces and they're they're doing well with uh, their, you know, cognitive skills and uh, th things like that. They're doing well in school. Uh, well, the one hasn't entered school yet, but she seems to be right on track for what she's doing. And my what? other niece... 
Yeah, she got an award for math a couple of years ago. She didn't get yeah. it from me, but <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing to do with you, then, is it? Yeah, <laughs> and other family members they they uh, seem to have gone through it well. So I, I'm not sure if this is genetic or if it's just I was, this is just definitely just one of those things that this was my uh, lot in life, and uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, the other point I'm going to raise in this is because I'm not religious at all by any chance yet. And mm -hmm. I respect people that are, I'll be honest with you in that. But a friend of mine said to me years ago as a Christian, and she said at the time to me, and my mum said this as well, late mum, was like, God's give you these disabilities. He wants you to be able to prove to you, you can fight through everything like this. Now, it showed from your stories I've heard in a couple of podcasts, you're a fighter. You really have. You fought everything you really wanted, haven't you? I was like, the job you're doing, for example, you're teaching, you're working in like um, schools, mm -hmm. aren't you, and stuff like that. Now, what made you want to go in that direction for a career? One of the things made me go in that direction is I knew that I wanted to help other students mm. that had disabilities. I knew from the time I was really young that I wanted, I loved to write. I knew that was one thing I loved to do. And I also knew I wanted to go to college and work with students in some uh, capacity. I, I wanted to be a teacher. But I knew that a lot of the testing that's involved with that in the classes, I just didn't think that was the uh, right way for me to go. And I just uh, decided I'm going to go in and study early childhood education. And uh, I knew that I wanted, and it just turned out that I didn't need to be a teacher, but I could, because I could still make a difference being a teacher's aide or a paraeducator, as, as um, a lot of people refer that. But no, Joe, I guess. It's good when you can find a career that suits you to a team like that. I worked 10 years in the back office of a course and it clicked mm -hmm. to me. Really clicked to me. But that's my problem I'm struggling a bit nowadays. But anyway, that's still another day. That Yeah, I get completely with it now. You've already said before, and so I'll talk about more really, I guess, where we're writing podcasts of Open Lane, is you've been writing since you're a child, haven't you? Now, obviously nowadays, like the work I've yours is like blogs or non-fiction posts. What were you mm -hmm. writing when you were a child? I think my I can remember my very first story was about a dinosaur. Yay. <laughs> my what my my, 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 my poem was about a dinosaur, it was, and it got me to ten. Oh, so. awesome. <laughs> and I can remember my dad reading it and him saying, Wow, this is pretty good. And I thought a light bulb just went off. I actually have something that I'm good at because I was really discouraged before mm. that. Everything seemed like I really put in a lot of effort and I tried. And I just couldn't be good at anything. And that was one of the first things. And I credit a lot of the reading. My dad would read to me every night and, and my family really uh, did a lot of that with me. And from that point on, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go forward. And I'm just going to write. So I wrote a lot of things. Uh, as, as a kid, I I think I wrote a lot of bad poetry. Oh, <laughs> I you can do. remember. You yeah, do, right? <laughs> I've still got I've, I've still got all mine. That's the worst thing about it. I've got all mine on like A five hardback books. I've got sixty two yeah. of them now, and um, I've included ones when I was ten, and they're awful, absolutely appalling. I was in a writer's group and I think I brought that bad poetry in with some people that were a couple of years older than I was and a lot wiser. And they said, you know, why don't you write about your experience with having a learning disability? And I thought, oh, no, that, that's a little too personal. But when I finally took that advice and I got that first piece published on The Mighty all those years ago, that just um, opened up so much for me. And just uh, that was one of the most healing things I've ever done. 
Now, that's what I find really interesting. Like, it's you're, you're a blocker, you're really a blocker nowadays, but with that first piece yeah. of The Mighty, was that like a nonfiction then, really, what you went into, was it? Yeah, so it was. In fact, it was about um, an ordinary task. That was one of the prompts mm. that they had that I struggle with. And the ordinary task was trying to open up, unlock and lock a door with having limited hand dexterity. I mean, for years, that was something that locks have always been a problem. Um, oh, <laughs> join the club. I could, we could, on the flat, me and my wife forgot, we're in like, we're in like a block of flats behind. You have to get through three doors to get to our door. And the third door has got a second block on the bottom of it. I can never get it right. It's, Amanda comes along, she clicks it in two seconds, and I'm spinning around for like five minutes trying to get the thing right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, nightmare. trying to get that just to get it to where it needs to be at. And um, I can just remember that was just the, the experience of trying to unlock things. Um, and that that's always that, it's always been a challenge. Uh, I can remember one apartment I lived at, uh, <laughs> I couldn't unlock the, 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 you know, the door. And that was a real challenge. And the landlady didn't really understand it very much. She's just like, well, here's how you do it. And I'm like, well, I can see that, but I, it's just not working. And even when we got our new house, um, just it, it could still be a challenge for me. And and when I wrote that, I just remember I got a lot of people that said, oh, that's been my experience, too. And, or I met people that I, I thought I was the only one that struggled with that. And I also began to write more articles on having uh, a learning disability and just some of the challenges I still face as an adult uh, with having one. Brilliant. Have you found then since you started doing this, this first article with the Mighty, has your approach to your writing these articles changed? In some ways it has changed. I can remember when I first started out, I just did more of my experiences, but I didn't do as many metaphors. And now I try to do more uh, metaphors with nature. Mm. And uh, I've also been taking a lot more uh, photographs because I've had a lot of people that have told me, oh, you take you bring out details in a flower that other people might miss. So sometimes when I'm I'm on my walks because I can't drive, uh, I'll be able to take pictures of flowers. I'll be in the car with my husband. I'll say, did you see that? And he's focused on the road and I'm more focused on, yeah, what, what's going on outside. And I get that chance to take it back and post it. And sometimes I'll go on there and I'll um, be able to uh, put them along with my articles. Really? Yeah. Cause a great website you've got really is I've had a good reason this afternoon, mm -hmm. Michelle's mission. So what made you want to do your own website then Michelle's mission? leading into the book? Sure. I wanted to be able to reach more people. Uh, that was definitely something I always wanted to do. And I just wanted to be able to do that. And I also wanted the, now with my new uh, website, I have the opportunity that we can sell like merchandise that has uh, pictures of uh, my prints or pictures of flowers, like on journals and things. And we have a forum uh, that people can kind of talk about uh, what, you know, things their disability related mean to them. Um, so we're, I'm trying to get more of a connection with not just my own experience, but with the experience of other people that have disabilities. Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great idea. I think those awareness is a, a vital thing, certainly, when you're doing what you're doing there, because my last poetry book talks about my experience of diabetes, and it's, mm. I mean, you can write it, well, but my poetry book didn't manage that, 
we can manage it in a lightning way to educate people in a positive way. And your your, your blog's really, really good at that. It is absolutely tremendous. So really, really recommend it. We'd subscribe to this, definitely. Now, when you referred to be sent over to me a notification originally, you told me about a book you've been publishing as well, haven't you, as well, called Rediscovering Your Story. So yes, I, I, know you, I know you've got three pieces in this book. I've read two of them. So it was brilliant stuff again. So tell us about your experience in this book. Yes, some of it is uh, about having a learning disability. In fact, I uh, we had I went to this workshop where we had people that came in that had mental health issues. Um, some had some addictions, and they got a chance to write about rediscovering their story with their diagnosis mm. and just life in general. And uh, one of the prompts that we wrote about was uh, we had different prompts every week, and one of them was the greatest lesson I've ever had to learn in life. So one of the greatest lessons I had to learn with having a learning disability was about that I needed to use certain accommodations when I was at school. I think that was something that anytime that I didn't do it because of the stigma that attached them, it was really hard for me. And the quicker I learned that, okay, this is just things I have to do in my life and become a problem solver, it just life was a lot easier for me. I also wrote about my journey of uh, uh, liking my hair. That was another uh, prompt that we had. That was a silly one that we had one week. And and then we also wrote about uh, our favorite place that, that we like to go to. And uh, it just every week we got a chance to write our stories and just about just different ways and experiences that, that we have with life. Brilliant. That was great. A great idea indeed. So um, where do you envisage your blogging going next then? Do you have any sort of ideas where you want your creativity to lead you to next? I definitely want to maintain the blog. That's something I love to do. And I'd also like to get uh, some stories out. I have a children's story about um, this calculia because there's not a whole lot of information about that. Uh, hmm. that's out there. And I'd also like to write one about my life with having a learning disability. Great. Do you ever envisage yourself writing longer fiction, maybe even a novel or something someday? I would definitely be open to that as well. Yes. No, I can't blame you. And I could you see yourself even like I know you said before you wrote bad, you wrote bad teenage poetry. Would you see yourself perhaps even writing some poetry again someday? Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps I would be willing to go back in and write some of that as well. Hey, I have a few things. But yes, that that's something I would be open to as well. Yeah. I'm always a believer of creativity. You've always got to keep moving on anyway and push yourself mm -hmm. forward, haven't you, with everything you do. And it's like it's great because in your story today, so I keep you can see that where you've not let things hold you back and you're pushing yourself onwards all the time. Definitely with that. So no brilliant, no brilliant stuff indeed. So okay, I'm gonna go onto your website now and I want you to tell people, obviously, there was something on your website I spotted before, and I'm trying to remember. Um, I know you've got a shop on your website, haven't you, as well? Store. I do. I do. Yes. I have a tell us about your store then. That was that was the thing I was looking for. What's in my store? Well, I have yeah. a, a mug that has different uh, pictures uh, that I've taken that, that's been on. Uh, it's on a mug. I also have some journals that has my photography on it. And, and I the have brilliant, the brilliantly journals. Because like yeah. it's like, I'm colorblind, as you know what, but the pink flower <laughs> notebook is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I have 
journals and I have also a notebook on there and I also have prints uh, available as well. What makes, what's made you want to do these then? Put these on, on your store like that because it's a great idea and look brilliant. Thank you. I just had this thing where I wanted to be able to share my art uh, with the world as well. A lot of times people that have learning disabilities have a lot of talent with visual and arts. And I can remember when I was really young, before I got into photography, I wondered when that was going to happen because I would go to art class and I couldn't draw very well with my hands. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. And nobody thought I had a lot of the artistic ability. And it turns out I did. I just had to find what that was, and I found photography. Brilliant. Yeah, you get it. Like you look at like you look at your notebooks and stuff like that. You've not let it hold you back. And I guess when you're doing your writing and your blogs, and what do you do? Do you go straight into your computer, do you, or do you have like some equipment to help you out with that? Um, I'm pretty much able to go right to the computer. I do use Grammarly, even though I am a pretty. Oh, I have to use. I have to use that. Yeah. You know, my husband's also a great editor as well, but sometimes when I'm by myself and I'm just in the beginning stages, I'll use that um, to help out spell check. I mean, I, I pretty, I'm pretty good at it, but I just need that little extra help just to kind of go through and point out some of the errors that, <laughs> and some of those words that I just can't seem to spell. Oh, I mean, I do yeah. spelling words with my students, but it's sometimes hard when it's, when it's you. So I use that. I also will go in and write in my journal sometimes just some ideas. Some That can be a little easier to get ideas flowing rather than sitting in front of a computer. And then I'll just type in the words. Other, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to read them. But, oh, no. Journal yeah. Club, my handwriting shocking. So I will relate to that. <laughs> That's why it's got the stage of me nowadays. I type everything in the tablet. I've got a yeah. tablet sat next to me and the tablet's godsend. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. I, yeah, but there is software out there for people that um, also that, that may not be able to have problems with their vision, too. There's Dragon Speech. There's yeah, lots of speech. Amanda uses Dragon's. Amanda, my wife, uses Dragon yeah. Speech. And she types, yeah. up on her, she types up on her phone. And I don't know how she does it because <laughs> so bloody small them. I can't, I can't see what she types. <laughs> that works for them. Uh, I also work with visually impaired students where they use JAWS and um, things like that. And um, th there's a lot of um, options out there for people uh, with, with their disabilities to be able to access uh, some software. No, great, great stuff. Okay, what we'll do, we'll wrap up part one. I want to give you a time to read out blog posters in the second half. So obviously, Michelle, then, that in the case, then, if people want to find out more about you, where do you recommend they go? Well, you can find me on michellesmission.net and I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Brilliant. I can put the links with us today, definitely. So Thank sounds good you. to me. Okay. What we'll then do is we'll take a quick break, folks, and we'll be back in two shakes of the dice when Michelle's going to be reading for us. See you all soon. Spoken label. Hi, guys. Yeah, I'm the end. Spoken label. Straight over to Michelle. She's going to do a blog post for us on her blog. Over to you, Michelle. Yeah, I'm going to read uh, one of my uh, latest blog posts called Going Through the Dirt to Blossom. A quote from Barbara Johnson. I know things are tough right now, but remember, every flower that has had to uh, blossom has gone through a lot of dirt to get there. When many people admire a flower, they appreciate the beauty and sweet aroma that a bloom can bring. Few people think of the process 
and the dirt that a blossom has to go through to get there. Living with a learning disability has been like growing a flower. For me to blossom, I've had to go through a great deal of dirt to get to my full potential. The compost of having a brain that is wired differently was dumped onto me at a young age. I was diagnosed with a learning disability in kindergarten. My parents explained to me that I learned differently and assured me that I was smart. In time, hearing those words helped me at school. At school, I had my peers telling me that I wasn't smart and often didn't feel intelligent. I was struggling to learn. My learning support and regular ed teachers, uh, were, that was difficult. Even with the accommodations, learning was truly a challenge for me. Math and science also presented difficulties for me. I spent a great deal of those years being frustrated with myself. Thankfully, the support began to work and I was placed in more regular ed classes and was doing well with them. Socially, I had to go through the dirt as well. I was bullied as a young child in school. Many people didn't wanna be my friend because I had a disability. During my elementary school years, it was not being invited to a birthday party or not having someone to play with on the playground. When I got older, it became more difficult as peer groups became more defined. And I was just very hard for me to, and I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere and I felt excluded more. Luckily, I found a great group of friends outside of my school community that I began to hang out with. Over 20 years later, we're still friends. Not driving also separated me from my peers and, and led to a lot of exclusion. Most of the other students were getting their licenses and I couldn't understand why I couldn't drive. As an adult, many times people were not always kind about not being able to drive. I have, I've had two people that would, um, they were, I put more dirt on myself when I had to tell them that the reasons I couldn't. People would tell me I was lucky to not have to drive or I could drive if I really wanted to. Other times not having a license prevented me from getting a job I wanted to, or to be able to go to activities that I wanted. I'm grateful for the people that were understanding and have given me rides. The limitations placed on me were another layer of dirt I encountered. Many people didn't think I could accomplish much with a disability. I was told by multiple people I couldn't go to college or get my bachelor's degree, or have a job or the life that I wanted to. Hearing those words discouraged me further and caused me to have anxiety about the future. I, I became negative and dwelled on what I couldn't do. Despite the discouraging words and my own hesitation, I went forward. Deciding to pursue my dreams wasn't always easy and oftentimes created even more dirt. Oftentimes I felt like I was drowning in it and had more being poured on top of me. At college, I struggled to get good grades and pass my classes. I added even more dirt by not using disabilities accommodations because of the stigma. Thankfully, I had a professor help me dig out of the dirt by encouraging me to use accommodations in her class. I was able to pass her class and get my associate's degree. When I went back to get my bachelor's, I used those services and had an easier experience. My grades improved that I got a bachelor's degree despite being told I couldn't. Once I began to dig through work in the dirt, I found that I began to blossom. Each achievement, big and small, helped me to bloom. Having success helped me to enrich, like the nutrients in the soil helped the flower to grow. Throughout the years of having this, I went, I've had to learn there will always be dirt. I will not outgrow or overcome it. 
Some of the difficulties stem from the soil one. I've also found I can control not adding extra layers of dirt. Using strategies such as advocating for myself and finding new ways to do things help me not to heat more dirt on, my, on me, but to dig myself from the pile out that I'm in. The dirt and messes I have poured on me hasn't harmed me, but has strengthened me. Just like the flowers that I love, I too have had to go through some dirt to get where I am today. <laughs> I'm muting myself there, everybody. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> Typical bloody me. <laughs> you can take that it's late anyway. So, no, I was going to say that, Michelle, seriously, tremendous story, seriously, okay? It really shows you as a person that, and that's somewhere I can really relate to this because certainly when I was at school, I, I went through a very similar situation you did, and I got bullied unmercifully at school. And it was, you think you learn to fight back in your own way, you know? So, respect to you. I also love the fact that you've fought for everything you've got there so brilliant stuff great Thank great story you. and it's also worth every note it's worth it because it's going to get into michelle's blog there because there's lots more blog posts like that out of interest michelle i be i have you got a lovely reading voice there as well have you considered actually doing your own podcast reading out these these journal entries I would definitely be open to doing that as well. Yes, I'd really? love to. <laughs> See, I'm full of, full of useless ideas, I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Michelle, it's been a pleasure today. Thank you for coming thank on the spot. Hang around. Well, do, you need, could, do you need to put your microphone anyway? So sort a couple of things out afterwards. But it's been a pleasure today. Really, really enjoyed this. So. As yeah. Don Canis over at AEW Wrestling says, guys, stay safe. And more importantly, stay over. We'll see you all, all be well, next time. Spock on me.